0: So upon my good friend Liz's recommendation, I recently started listening to the last podcast on the left, and I believe both she and Crocoduck specifically recommended the episode where they discuss David Bowie and the occult. Now you guys know me, self-proclaimed Doors fanatic. They've been my favorite band since about 7th or 8th grade, and pretty much still are. My interest in poetry, many of my other assorted literary interests, everything from Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, tomato, tomato, to Kerouac, my desire to be a singer, I feel I owe all that in large part to Jim Morrison's influence on me. But that being said, there's also many other musical artists I dig, and among them, of course, David Bowie. So what did I learn from that episode of the last podcast on the left? I learned that David Bowie was heavily into the occult, and that back in the 1970s, he supposedly sustained himself for a prolonged period of time on an exclusive diet of milk, peppers, and cocaine and that at the height of cocaine-induced psychosis, he suffered from some pretty wild paranoid delusions, including the belief that witches were trying to steal his semen for a black magic ritual, possibly to create a David Bowie homunculus, and also that he was locked in a magical duel with Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page, also a well-known enthusiast of the occult. Both Page and Bowie had a fascination with notorious British occultist slash ceremonial magician Alistair Crowley. Page would even go as far as to purchase the infamous boleskin House near Loch Ness, where Crowley once resided. Bowie's song Quicksand, off of his 1971 album Hunky Dory, begins with the lines, I'm closer to the golden dawn, immersed in Crowley's uniform of imagery. Golden Dawn refers to the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn, an occult society to which Crowley had belonged. Quicksand also invokes the name of Nazi officer Heinrich Himmler. I'm living in a silent film portraying Himmler's sacred realm of dream reality. And here we should probably address the 800-pound occult gorilla in the room, Bowie's apparent fascination with the Nazis, I've been fond of Bowie since an early age, but I can remember my view of him changing a bit or becoming slightly tainted after first hearing about his interest in Nazism, and how he had even been detained at the Polish-Russian border for collecting or possessing Nazi paraphernalia. I think this quote-unquote fascination can be traced back, at least in part, to Bowie's deep interest in the occult. He had read a number of works on the occult, including the 1960 book, *Morning of the Magicians, later published in the U.S. as The Dawn of Magic. The book offers a broad overview of the occult or paranormal, including German or Nazi occultism, touching on subjects like the Thule Society and Vrill. Vril is a reference to the 1871 book, The Coming Race, or Vril, The Power of the Coming Race. In the book, Vril is a spiritual or supernatural power, or as described in the story, an all-permeating fluid, wielded by a subterranean master race known as the vril Ya. Although the book was a work of science fiction, Some occultists and spiritualists of the day, such as Madame Blavatsky, seem to embrace it as containing occult truth. Also off of the 1971 album Hunky Dory, the lyrics to Bowie's song Oh You Pretty Things seem to be influenced by his reading of the coming race, with lines like, They're the start of a coming race, and You gotta make way for the homo superior. In the mid-1970s, during his Thin White Duke phase, a character which Bowie described as quote-unquote, a very Aryan fascist type, Bowie publicly made a series of controversial statements. He referred to Hitler as the first rock star and said, Britain is ready for a fascist leader. I think Britain could benefit from a fascist leader. After all, fascism is really nationalism. I believe very strongly in fascism. People have always responded with greater efficiency under a regimental leadership. He was also quoted as saying, You've got to have an extreme right front come up and sweep everything off its feet and tidy everything up. Bowie would later recant and attribute the statements to a poor mental state brought on by excessive drug use. I was out of my mind, totally, completely crazed. So do I think that Bowie was a racist or anti-Semitic? No, I think it can probably all be chalked up to a combination of a fascination with the dark side or the occult and very regrettable statements made while unhinged on drugs and immersed in some pseudo-fascist alter ego. Bowie would go on throughout the following decades to strongly denounce racism and fascism, His band Tin Machines' 1989 self-titled debut album would actually be criticized by some critics and fans for being quote-unquote too preachy for its direct anti-fascist message. Strangely enough, during this Thin White Duke period, Bowie also had a heavy interest in Jewish mysticism and even references the Kabbalistic Tree of Life in the title track from his 1976 album Station to Station. Bowie himself said the album is very much concerned with the stations of the cross and that it's extremely dark, the nearest album to a magic treatise that I've written. Okay, so now how do I successfully segue from Nazis and the occult? Well, I will say that regarding Bowie's interest in the occult, you should definitely check out that episode of the last podcast on the left. They pretty much cover what I just covered and more, and in a much more humorous fashion. But now I'd like to leave the occult, uh, there's that segue, and discuss the other aspects of David Bowie's spirituality. So Bowie was definitely a seeker, and as early as the 1960s, he was exploring an interest in other religions. In 1967, after months of studying Buddhism at Tibet House in London, he was told by a llama. Not the animal, the other kind of llama with a 1L. Well, I guess technically they're animals too, Homo sapiens. Anyway, the llama said, You don't want to be Buddhist. You should follow music. And in full disclosure, I found the following quote all over the internet, but despite scouring the web, I couldn't locate the original interviewer context. But in 1975, so right around that Thin White Duke period, Bowie reportedly said, I felt totally, absolutely alone, and I probably was alone because I pretty much had abandoned God. In 1992, regarding his marriage to Amon, he said that he knew a quote-unquote real marriage sanctified by God had to happen in a church in Florence. Then in the same year, while on stage at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert, he knelt down and recited the Lord's Prayer before a television audience. When asked about this during a 1993 interview, Bowie said, I decided to do it about five minutes before I went on stage. Coco Schwab, Bowie's long-term personal assistant, and I had a friend called Craig who was dying of AIDS. He was just dropping into a coma that day. And just before I went on stage, something just told me to say the Lord's Prayer. The great irony is that he died two days after the show. The Power of Prayer Sorry, couldn't resist. He continued, In rock music, especially in the performance arena, there is no room for prayer, but I think that so many of the songs people write are prayers. A lot of my songs seem to be prayers for unity within myself. On a personal level, I have an undying belief in God's existence. For me, it is unquestionable. Then regarding his earlier interest in the occult, he says, Looking at what I have done in my life, in retrospect so much of what I thought was adventurism, was searching for my tenuous connection with God. I was always investigating, always looking into why religions worked and what it was people found in them. And I was always fluctuating from one set of beliefs to another, until a very low point in the mid-70s, where I developed a fascination with black magic." And although I'm sure there was a satanic lead pulling me towards it, it wasn't a search for evil, it was in the hope that the signs might lead me somewhere. There seemed to be a path inherent in Kabbalistic religion, there seemed to be a path that one could follow, and of course it helped greatly that it was also drug-induced, that really helped to blur the sense of reality of what I was getting involved in. Then while being interviewed about his 1993 album Black Tie White Noise, he said it was important for me to find something musically that also had no sort of representation of institutionalized and organized religion, of which I'm not a believer, I must make that clear. And here's a couple of quotes that really resonated with me as an agnostic atheist. In 2005, Bowie said, Whether God exists is not a question that can be answered. I'm not quite an atheist, and it worries me. There's that little bit that holds on. Well, I'm almost an atheist. Give me a couple of months. I've nearly got it right. Then regarding his 1997 album, Earthling, he said, it showed him the quote-unquote abiding need in me to vacillate between atheism or a kind of Gnosticism. What I need is to find a balance spiritually with the way I live in my demise. And at first blush, that might seem a bit jarring, these comments expressing his atheistic leanings when juxtaposed or contrasted with his earlier sentiments about his certainty that God exists. But I think there's something very human and sympathetic about that vacillation between belief and the lack of it that he describes. On the one hand, I think it's understandable to look around at the world and say, ''Whoa, how did all this get here? How did it all happen? There must be something behind it all.'' But it's also very understandable to look around at all the suffering, the lack of evidence, the man-made nature of religion, the blood and guts of it all, and say, this is probably all there is. And it's all the result of natural phenomena, and it's probably just lights out afterwards. I think it's a part of the human condition, groping in the dark, trying to get at the truth, caught in a kind of of tug-of-war between reason and wishing, and trying to make sense of it all. Anyway onwards, so it might sound strange, but even though I'm a big Bowie fan, I didn't really sit down and listen to Black Star or watch the music videos for Lazarus and the title track until very recently. I think in my mind I was thinking, well where else do you think that uh Bowie's old stuff is so great that this isn't going to live up to it and it just might make me think of his passing and bum me out but I have to say I was blown away the video for Black Star as well as the song itself are absolutely amazing the visuals are stunning and it's rich and really poignant imagery and symbolism It's very moving when you put it in the context of Bowie's impending death, and it was also just so beautifully done that it feels like you've gone on some journey just watching it. I think there's an understandable temptation to speculate whether we can glean anything about Bowie's after-death expectations from the lyrics of his last album. The song Lazarus begins with the line, Look up here, I'm in heaven. And the title track, Black Star, includes the lines, Something happened on the day he died, spirit rose a meter and stepped aside. What David Bowie actually thought awaited him after death, I don't know. He asked in his will that he be cremated and his ashes scattered in Bali, quote-unquote, in accordance with the Buddhist rituals. You guys know me, I'm a skeptic, but on the off chance there is something afterwards, I hope you're in an awesome place, Starman. You're one of the greats. Thank you for listening to this special Bowie episode of The Week in Doubt. And if you've been waiting for that interview I did with Seamus from the Free Thought Prophet, the wait may be a little longer than expected. Turns out the audio was totally fudged, but we should be recording again soon. Alright brothers and sisters, until the next time.